Well, hey everyone, welcome to Mosaic. So happy that you're here, so happy that you're engaging in this conversation with the artisan soul. My name is Bill, if we haven't met before, I'm on the directional team here at Mosaic. And we decided as a directional team that uh, we are forcing Aaron to take a three-month sabbatical. Um, Woo-hoo, yes, definitely. Get him out of here. Let me have the stage, right? Come on. So I'm going to be taking us through this conversation throughout the month of May, through the Artisan Soul. Uh, and if you weren't here last week, the Artisan Soul is based on a book by uh, a pastor and a mentor of mine. Um, he is the pastor of the Mosaic Church in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I, was, I had the privilege of being pastored by this man and mentored. Um, Aaron did as well. This community here, Mosaic Lincoln, would not exist without Irwin, uh, the author of this book. And so, like Brian mentioned, there's book clubs, there's a lot happening around this. Um, our goal isn't to get you to buy a book. Our goal isn't to get you to even read a book. Our goal is to get you into community with people, uh, that you can begin to have conversations around your life, get connected to people. Because the thing about it is, is we are a community that believes in you guys. Um, we, uh, Bill Heibel says the local church is the hope of the world. Uh, in the original Greek of the word church is the word ekklesia. And the original meaning of ecclesia, it wasn't church, it was assembly. Uh, that church is not a place that we go. Church is not a sacred temple. Church is us. Those of us who are crazy enough to believe that God could use us to be a source of hope and life in the city that we live in. And so that's our conversation uh, today, is that we believe in you guys. We believe that, uh, that God has made you into a work of art. And we talked about that last week, just how God has, God can create a masterpiece out of your life. God has created you as a work of art, and today we want to step into the reality that you are an artist at work. So I got my trusty pen. You are an artist at work. Oh, no! What was that? Good save. Thank you. Whew. I got nervous for a second. I thought it was going to all come tumbling down. But you are an artist at work. Because uh, I think for too long, the narrative uh, just about God has been, what we talked about last week, is we've seen God as our judge. We've seen God as the killjoy, as the guy who's just waiting to slam down the hammer. And I think for too long, uh, followers of Jesus, they have thought of themselves as police, to police the morality of the world. But the reality is that God isn't just our judge. He is our creator. Dodge is the master artist that wants to form your life into a work of art and turn you into an artist at work. And the way that we do that, the creative process is very simple. See, we dream. We have an idea. There's something inside of us that is born. Then we risk. Because creating always involves risk. If you've ever drawn something or painted something or uh, put on an event— a risk. Is anyone actually going to show up? And then you create. Today, I want us to think about dreams. What are the dreams that you have inside? What are the dreams that you once believed deep down that God was calling you to? Uh, maybe it got pushed out. Maybe it's still alive and well. Um, but what are those things? And just that God has created us with a beautiful gift— that God gave us his image, that God imagined us before we were ever created, um, and that you can imagine a future that doesn't exist yet, 
and be used by God to create that future. Is anyone down to go with me on this journey? Woo! Nice. Some of you guys. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Before we get started, uh, I guess we have been started, but uh, I just want to pray together. I just want us to devote this time together to allow God to, at the beginning of our conversation, to speak into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls. God, we are here. We are present in this moment. God, I pray here and now that you speak into our minds. I pray that you open up our hearts, you open up our souls, and you remind us of the dreams that we are dreaming. You remind us of the dreams that we once had. God, begin to work inside of us this morning. We thank you for life. We thank you for breath. We thank you that we get to be here right now in this room. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, a moment of honesty, right? I want you guys to be honest with me, be honest with yourselves. Who would actually say, you know what? I'm an artist. I'll admit it. I'm an artist. Keep your hand up. Few of you, right? So the rest of you didn't listen to my intro at all, I must say. But keep your hand up. So who would say, you know what? Yeah, I guess I'm creative. You know, there's some things that I, I would say, yeah, yeah, like, I'm good, I'm creative. Um, not the majority of us, right? Thank you for holding your hands up. Um, because there's a tension here. Because artists, we got to work hard for our art. When you create a film... When you create anything, you put your heart, you put your soul, you put everything into it. And there's a moment where you realize something that you created, you could actually say, that was art. And that is not easy. That is very difficult. And I'm standing up here passing it out like it's Monopoly money. I'm just giving it to everyone. You're all artists. And those of you in this room who don't raise your hand and you're like, I'm not really an artist, I'm not really creative, it's so easy in this moment to shut off and say, this conversation isn't about me. And you know what? I don't blame you. Uh, I'll never forget it. The year was 1995. I was in junior high, and my family decided we were going to move from a Catholic church to an evangelical church. And so, uh, has anyone grown up Catholic? Anyone go to a Catholic church? Yeah, you remember like the pews, like how terrible those were? Like you move, it's like, and then your mom gives you the death look, like, you quiet, right? And so then my mom would do something to try to get me to be quiet because I'm a hyper kid, is she would give me her purse. Um, Women, you are beautiful. Your purses are disgusting, (laughs) right? Purses are the grossest thing on the planet, I'm just going to say. It's like this weird mix of mint, makeup, and old chocolate, and it's gross. Please just clean out your purses and just don't use them anymore. They're disgusting. So I'm in this Sunday school classroom at this evangelical church, and they're talking about crazy things. They're talking about people getting thrown in lion's dens, and they're not getting eaten up. They're talking about people getting thrown into fires, into furnaces, and... God shows up and somehow they don't die. And it doesn't make sense in my head, but there's something in my heart that's saying there's something to this. And so 
I'm in this classroom, and the, our, and the teacher asks us this question. She says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I knew what the answer was. I knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. Because I was in an art class at the time, and I always was able to, to have, like, really cool pictures in my mind, but I could never translate that on paper. It's like I would be like, oh, that's really cool. I could do this and that. And then I would draw it, and it would be like a stick figure and a sun with, like, lines on it. You know? I could never, I could never take what was in my imagination and translate it on paper. And our teacher, they brought us through this exercise where we could grid a piece of paper and then we could grid a larger sheet of paper. And he said, instead of focusing on the big, focus on the smaller piece. And I remember I, I did that. And as I went, this picture began to form. And when it was done, I was like, wow, who drew that? Like it pulled something deep out inside of me that I never knew was there. And so this is a couple weeks later after that moment. So I knew exactly what I was going to say. So the teacher's going around the room, and she's like, Sally, what do you want to be? I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a professional baseball player. And it comes to me, and I was a really nervous kid. Uh, I'm still a really nervous, neurotic adult. Uh, I did not like speaking in public at all. And I remember in that moment in a room of like 10 people, my heart is just pounding because I'm nervous, because I want to be accepted. I don't want people to make fun of me. And I say... She gets to me and she says, Billy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an artist. And I'll never forget the look of confusion on her face. She was like, <laughs> and the kid next to me, he said, he started laughing. He goes, you can't do that for a job. Like she asked you what you want to do for a job. You can't be an artist. And I never thought about it. And I was like, well, actually, that's kind of true. I mean, you can't really draw for a living, can you? Uh, maybe comics, I don't know, like maybe make Disney movies, but that's not like a real thing that people actually do, right? Um, and in that moment, I believed a lie as a truth. I believed in that moment, yeah, I can't do that. Uh, so then I studied math, get that. <laughs> kind of went the opposite direction. But I wonder in this moment today, here now, like how many lies have we believed as truths in our life. How many of us have been, uh, had something, a dream, just like taken out of us? Because today I want, I want to focus on that we are artists, that everything we touch can become a work of art. And what I want us to talk about and what I want us to discover is that we are dreamers, that God created us to dream, that God imagined us to imagine. So the conversation today is about rediscovering those dreams and those passions that are buried deep down in your heart, that God wants to awaken something deep within your soul today. So if you want to journey with me, uh, Acts chapter 7, that's where we're going to be going. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it up to Acts chapter 7. And in Acts chapter 7, to give you a little bit of context, uh, there's a man on trial. There's a man on trial named Stephen because he's making some bold claims, and he's, he's on trial for his life. And the claims that he makes, the things that his life is at stake for is he said Jesus is the son of God. He said things like he believes that Jesus was God in human flesh and we are the ones that put him up on a cross and killed him. And so he's making these claims and he's making people really upset. Uh, Stephen's work of art is making people really upset. Stephen is disrupting the status quo. Art has the ability to disrupt the status quo. 
art is one of those things that we have to be, takes risks, right? We can't just keep them as dreams in our head, but we need to step in and take risks. And so Stephen takes this risk, and he begins to walk these people through the scriptures who probably have these stories memorized, but he begins to paint them the story again. And he's like, I want you to see something. So what he says in Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 20, is he says, he's beginning to tell the story of Moses. We talked about Moses last week. Moses is the guy who uh, spoke to God in person. So knowing that as the context, last week we talked about Moses standing before God, and he says, God, what is your name? This is the context. It says, at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. Moses was no ordinary child. And that's true. Because when Moses was born, what was happening is the Hebrew population was blowing up in Egypt, and the Egyptians became really scared. The Egyptians became very nervous because the Hebrew population was about to overtake them. And so the Pharaoh made a decree that every uh, male child that is born must be put to death. And so obviously Moses' mother is like, I don't want my son to die. So she did everything possible to hide him. But I don't know if you have kids or if you've ever babysat kids, is they have this ability to not stay quiet, right? You can't hide a child. It's impossible. They cry. They whine. They need constant attention. It's really annoying. (laughs) So Moses' mom, she did the hard thing. And she said, you know what? I don't want my son to die. I want to take a big risk. I don't know why, but something inside of me... So she put him in this little makeshift boat and set him off on the Nile River. And then who's the person that finds this child? It was Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby in this little makeshift boat. She goes to her father, the Pharaoh, and says, Can I keep him, Dad? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? And Pharaoh says, Yep. So Moses grows up in the household of the man who wanted him dead. Moses was, in fact, no ordinary child. But I believe that this verse has profound implications for us today. I believe that it's speaking not only about Moses' life, but it's speaking to us. Because you in this room, you are not just one in a hundred people sitting here. You are no ordinary person. You are not just one in seven billion people that live on earth today. You are not ordinary. Because the thing about it is every single human being that has ever been born has been born extraordinary. But the sad fact is that many of us die believing that we are just ordinary. That we, that we cannot live a life like Moses lived. That we can't step into uh, a game-changing situation like Moses. We look at artists like Michelangelo and we say, I can never create anything that beautiful. Because we've believed this lie about ourselves. But the truth is, you are no ordinary child. Um, I have this friend, Lee, and uh, Lee was one of my really good friends in Los Angeles. And I remember Lee, she, uh, she decided one day, she said, I want to perform a spoken word at this event. So we're all encouraging her, like, yes, do it, Lee, do it. So we all go to the event to support Lee, and the way that they had this spoken word event is everyone put their name uh, in a hat, and then the host would just draw randomly. And he would, you know, draw it out. Okay, this person's next, this person's next. And then all of a sudden, he's standing up there, and he pulls a name out of a hat, and he goes, 227? 227? It's like, is that someone's, like, DJ name? 227? Like, what is that? Um, And then Lee, she's smart, so she figures it out. She goes, flip the paper over. 
So the guy flips the paper over and goes, oh, Lee. And so Lee, her nickname became 227. For the rest of our friendship, 227 was her nickname, and she loved it. She embraced it. That's who she was. She was 227. Um, And I'll never forget it. We were sitting in a conference, uh, and this Christian author and communicator, he stood up there, and he said something that I really disagreed with. He said, he said, not everyone has a specific calling from God. He said, most people just have a general calling. Most people just have that general calling just to love your neighbor, but not everyone has a very specific calling from God. Maybe one out of every 227 people do. And I remember Lee came up to me afterwards, and she goes, did you hear what he said? And I said, yeah, I heard what he said. Uh, And she said, he said one out of her 227. Because in that moment, she was struggling with the fact that she was ordinary. And in that moment, God was reminding her, you are extraordinary. I believe every single one of us in this room, we can become one out of that 227 people. I believe God calls every single person in this room to something great. I would flip it, though. Maybe only about one out of every 227 listen. But you, Mosaic, you are no ordinary child. You are a work of art. That's our starting place. So if we continue on with uh, what Stephen is saying to this jury, these judges, these Pharisees, he says, when Moses was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Was powerful in speech and action. Has anyone uh, read the story of Moses in Exodus? Because he actually says the opposite about himself. So in the book of Exodus, when Moses is standing before God, it says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Has someone ever told you something that you were great at and you just couldn't believe them? You're like, really? No, I'm not. See, our talents are the hardest thing for us to to see in ourselves. Our talents are the hardest things for us to accept that, yeah, this is something that I'm good at. Because it's hard, because a lot of times our taste is really high and our talent doesn't meet our taste. Uh, But this conversation today that we're having, it's not a conversation about talent. It's actually a conversation about imagination. So to live a life that God is calling you to is a life of a lot of imagination. That God imagined you to imagine. That God created you to create. It starts with realizing that we have a gift, that God placed something precious inside of you, that he gave you an imagination. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? When you think about it, like the fact that we can imagine something that doesn't exist yet and we could actually create it. Like we could think about like, okay, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Like you have an endless, infinite number of things that you could have for dinner tonight and you can create that. Animals, they operate off instinct, but humans, we operate off of our imagination. See, because what you imagine is what you create. And that is a gift that God has placed inside of you. Moses lost sight of this. 
Moses couldn't see himself because if you continue on the Exodus story, it says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please, 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 please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. The Lord's anger burned against Moses because he's like, don't you realize that the person I created you to be, don't you realize that you're not an ordinary child? Don't you realize that I gave you a gift of an imagination and I want you to dream big dreams? I've set you in this moment in history. I've operated your entire life so that you could be in this place where you can set people free. And Moses, in this moment, he can't imagine a future where he could actually be involved in that. Because our imagination can hold us back from our future um, more than anything else. Because if we can't imagine ourselves, then our talents are meaningless. If we can't imagine that we are good at things, uh, then we're never going to step into our talents. We're never going to be able to step into our talents. Um, Einstein, he said, he has a really profound statement about imagination. He says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Einstein, the father of knowledge, says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Because he understands that knowledge is limited. Knowledge changes. Uh, Science is a story. We believe the earth was flat until about the year 1400. Science is always changing, always figuring out what reality is, but imagination is limitless. Imagination is not what we currently know, but everything that could possibly ever be known. Um, God spoke to Jeremiah, and he said, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. See, humans, we have this capacity. Uh, Even kids, we do everything possible to push imagination out of our kids. 95% of kids are divergent thinkers. Divergent thinking is where you can solve hundreds of problems instantaneously. It's the reason why most of you sitting in this room have learned the English language in less than three years. My son is two and a half years old, and he he can hear and listen and understand just about everything I say to him. And he's two and a half years old. I took four years of Spanish in high school and college, and all I know is, donde esa al baño? That's about it. Which I think is like, I want a cheeseburger or something. I can't remember. See, because what we do is we put our kids into a framework where we say that you are convergent thinking. Because it's all about logic. It's all about rules. It's all about structure. It's about A plus B is always equal to C. Not the fact that we live in a world that has hundreds of different solutions to the same problems. And so God wants to set your imagination free today. God wants to step into your imagination and get you to think of things that you've never thought of before. To recapture those dreams that you once had. Reading on in Stephen's story to the Pharisees, he says, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came up to two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, 
Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. See, I need to reiterate, this is not a talent conversation we are having today. Because you could have all the talent in the world, you could have all the imagination in the world, but there's another missing component here. And that missing component is our character. See, because Moses, he tried to step into the life that he knew he was being called to. He tried to step into the life of his dreams before he went through the ringer of character transformation. What he didn't realize was the shape of his character was the shape of his future, not his imagination. I want to tell you guys about a really, really talented human being, probably one of the most talented human beings who ever existed. This man was on the cover of Time magazine in 1938. This man brought his country, who was in absolute political turmoil, and he united them through the words that he said. He was probably one of the most powerful communicators, persuasive communicators that the world has ever seen. This man, he's one, of the, he's one of the gentlemen who started the company Volkswagen because he said, you know what I want to do? Is I want to create a car that is an example, that is a replica of what the Model T is in America. That man was Hitler. That man had one of the most, the, the biggest imaginations the world has ever seen. And he had the courage to risk. He had the courage to see something in his mind, to see a future that he wanted to see happen, and he risked everything to make that happen. And he did it over and over and over again. But the problem is, is that he had no character. He had absolutely no character. Everything that Hitler set to do was to kill, steal, destroy, to advance his empire. And he did it. But the problem is, is that when we step into the life of an artist, yes, we have an imagination, but the biggest component is our character. Because if our imagination is all we have. If we have, uh, if we have tons of imagination and no character, all you're going to create is destruction, not artistry. And if you have all, if you have no imagination whatsoever and all the character in the world, you'll have a life of no faith. Moses, standing before a burning bush, a burning bush that is speaking to him, and he says, send someone else. I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's too much. Like you have a burning bush speaking to you that's saying that this is God, and you're like, I can't do it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, uh, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is actually going to happen. It gives us assurance about the things unseen. See, God, what he wants to do is he wants to entangle your imagination, and your character. He doesn't want those to be mutually exclusive. He wants those things to be connected. He wants those things to overlap. He wants your imagination to entangle with your character, because when your imagination entangles with your character, that is a work of art worth creating. Stephen, he wraps up his story in the book of Acts by saying, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear, and he did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. See, God today wants to set us free. God wants to send us back to Egypt to entangle our imagination and our character so those things become one. One of the most misinterpreted verses of the Bible is found in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. It's a book of poetry. The biggest book in our Bible is a book of art. And in this book, it says that God will give you the desires of your heart. And for too long, people have been declaring, if I can imagine it and I can dream it, God is going to do it in my life. It's like God is some genie in a magic lamp, and if you could just rub that lamp hard enough, that God is going to give you everything that you've ever wanted. But the problem is that Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, God gives you the desires of your heart when your imagination and your character are connected to him. And he gives you those desires because they are no longer your desires. They are his desires. Because when your imagination and your character entangle with God, when God entangles with you, it changes everything. So that the things that you want to see and create in the world are the things that he sees and wants to create in the world. The things that you imagine are the things that he is imagining for your life to become and for the world to become. Has anyone ever heard of quantum entanglement? I know what you're thinking. Oh my gosh, like, I thought we were wrapping this up. We got to go to Mother's Day brunch. And now this guy's talking about physics? Quantum entanglement is pretty mind-blowing. Quantum entanglement, what it says is that two subatomic particles, I know I lost everyone there, but two subatomic particles, right? Like an electron, they can become bonded together where they do the exact same movement at the exact same time all the time. So that they rotate at the same exact speed, the same exact rotation all the time. And then after that, you were able to change the direction of one of these particles and reverse the speed. The other one reverses as well, instantaneously. Scientists, they have no idea why this happens, but it happens. There's even a theory that when two, when two atoms become quantumly entangled, that they actually become the same atom existing in two places at once. Like, that's crazy, isn't it? Einstein, he called this spooky action at a distance. Like, Einstein's like, there's no, there's no reason, there's no sense to this whatsoever. Um, this man, uh, Oh, here it is. Henry Stapp, he said, this is one of the most profound discoveries in all of physics because it reinforces the mystical idea that we are not separate, that nothing is separate, that everything is connected everywhere all the time, that two particles that could exist billions of light years apart can instantaneously move at the same time, that it would take light a billion years to travel that distance 
But these two particles somehow are in direct communication and correlation with each other where they instantly change and move together. That's crazy. Mosaic, may your imagination and your character become quantumly entangled. May your life be quantumly entangled with the divine. May it be quantumly entangled with Jesus, God who came in flesh, so that when Jesus whispers, you hear him instantly. When Jesus places something in your imagination, you see it right away. When Jesus reveals something about your character, you confess it and you want to change it immediately. Because what God is trying to do is he's trying to ignite your imagination and he's trying to shape your character. Because the shape of your character is the shape of your future. And that you have the opportunity to be used by God to imagine a world that doesn't exist yet and be used by God to create that. And to have the faith that the things that God is inspiring you to do, the dream that you have buried deep inside your soul, when your character is quantumly entangled with Jesus, those are the things that God wants to see in this world as well. Mosaic, you are no ordinary child. God came to set us free. And today, we are standing on holy ground. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that every action that you do in our life is for our freedom. God, I thank you that you want to set our minds free. You want to set our dreams free. You want us to dream big dreams, and you want us to imagine a world that you see. God, my prayer today is that you shape our character, that we go through the hard road of character transformation. And God, in this moment, maybe today is the day that we decide, you know what, I want to become quantumly entangled with you. Jesus, in this moment, I want every fiber of my being, I want every atom in my body to rotate with you, to move with you. Jesus, I want to hear your voice. Jesus, I don't want you to be my sin manager. I want you to set my life free so that I can imagine a world that you see and I can be an agent in this world to be a reflection of beauty, to be a reflection of your grace. God, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you that we have air in our lungs, that we can be here in this moment, connected to everyone around us. In your name, Jesus, we pray.